Hello again, and welcome to another episode of our Blimey Cast. Today, you're going to hear me talking about something that you will need in order to pass your IELTS test, and that would be how to answer correctly one question from the first section of the speaking test. Yes, I'm going to tell you what to do and how to answer correctly one question from the first section of the IELTS speaking test. So, without further ado, let's crack on with it. You're listening to the Blimey Cast. For more information about the Speaking Master, my online training for the IELTS speaking test, visit blimeyenglish.com. Hello again and welcome back to Blimey English. Today I'd like to talk to you about something quite interesting and important for you to succeed in the IELTS speaking test and that would be how to give a correct answer in part one. Because of that I've written another article and I'm going to read it through with you so we can learn and discuss a bit more about that, right? So, you know how much I care about strategy. You probably have seen me talking about that before and how crucial and necessary strategy is for your test. Just for you to know, strategy means to have a plan of action focused on one goal. Only tactics, though, only tactics without strategy will not lead you to victory. Let me repeat that one for you. Only tactics without strategy won't lead you to victory. You can always find one or two nice tricks to remember more advanced words, but in the long run, only tactics will not make you win the war, will not make you pass your IELTS speaking test. It means that you need to know what you're doing and where you want to get. I'm going to talk to you today about something of the greatest relevance, what to do in part one. This is in fact one of the major concerns of people when preparing. How do I answer correctly one part one question? Well, that's what we're going to see today. And I know that some people will not listen to me because they either believe they already know this or because they're simply not paying attention. Yes, can you believe that? But they should. They should be paying attention. And you know why? Because only when you go to the battlefield, you find out how intelligent or how full your plan was. You know what they say, right? No plan survives the battlefield. You know what this means? You know how deep and true this is? You can prepare yourself for a long period, but when you go to the battlefield, when you go face your challenge, well, then it's when you're going to find out if you have been preparing right or wrong. No plan survives the battlefield. And that's the truth. No matter how many times I say to my students, do this, don't do that, keep with this, stop doing that. Only when they go and try to answer a question with me during a mock test, for example, they finally understand how difficult it is to apply the techniques, how difficult it is to apply something that you have in mind. And that, in fact, happens with all of us. 
imagine yourself in a stressful situation. Imagine this. How hard do you think it would be to stick to the plan, to pay attention to details, to be fastidious? Fastidious is a word that means to pay attention to every single detail. How do you plan to pay attention to every detail, to apply everything you wanted? It's hard. It's arduous. I know. I know this. And this is one of the reasons why many soldiers, not many soldiers, in fact, this is the reason why soldiers train so hard and so extremely, because they need to get those things, what to do, what not to do, inside them, as if it were the second skin. Because when they go to the battlefield, they're so stressed and anxious and angry and afraid of something happening that they need to be able to do things like this without thinking or considering too much. To help you with that, let me bring here a short story. As I've said in other opportunities here before, I like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'm a blue belt, matter of fact. And one day, when I was starting my training, I went to the gym. And I saw a bloke. A bloke is just another word for a man, a random man. I saw a bloke, uh, quite thin. He was probably weighing 60 kilos or something like that. And there was another man, over 100 kilos, buffed up. And they were about to start rolling. Rolling is how we call in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, fight, a training fight, right? We're not really fighting, it's just a training. We're rolling. They were, uh, they were about to start rolling. And I remember thinking how easy it would be for the bigger man to defeat the other one. Well, fast forward version, within 30 seconds, the fight was over. 30 seconds. And the smaller man won the fight, right? I was, I was discombobulated. I was baffled. Did I miss something? I couldn't believe my eyes. But what happened there, actually, is one of the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu principles in action. Size doesn't matter. Techniques is what matters. And why am I telling you this? You might ask yourself. Because when it comes to the IELTS speaking test, it's the same thing. Size doesn't matter. I mean, what makes you get higher marks in the IELTS speaking test is your ability to answer the questions in the correct way. And not simply talking and talking and talking and talking, giving a long answer. That actually doesn't matter. Some candidates think they should talk and talk and talk, but they should rather focus on presenting a meaningful and precise answer to the examiner sitting in front of them. Focus on learning how to answer the questions, on building a solid vocabulary, on developing an advanced command of any vocabulary. That is what you should be focusing on. Focus on your fluency, on your grammar and your pronunciation. Those are the skills you should be focusing, you should be aiming at, because those are the criteria that your examiner is going to analyze during your whole test. 
I had the opportunity to talk about what the examiner and the test want from you during the test, what is expected from you during the test, right? Now, today, I want to talk to you about what to do. I want to tell you what to do in the IELTS speaking test in the first part, in the first section of the IELTS speaking test. Well, the chances are that if you don't know what to do during this part, you're not going to make it. You're not going to get a higher mark. Maybe you're not aware of this, but during each part of the test, you can come across some really menacing problems. For each part of the test, part one, two, and three, there are some specific problems, and that's why you need to know what to do in each part of it. For example, if you don't know how the first part of the IELTS speaking test works, you might get in trouble simply because you have no idea of what to do or of how to deliver your answer. To be honest with you, because of stress, anxiety, fear, and many other causes, even if you know what to do, it might be difficult to deliver an answer. Now, imagine without knowing what to do. Let me repeat that for you for a moment. If you know precisely what to do, let's say you are one of my TSM students. TSM, as you should know, means the speaking master, which is my online trainer, right? Let's say you are one of my TSM students and you know precisely what to do in each part of the test. Even then, it might be difficult for you because you would be under pressure. Now, imagine if you don't know what to do in part one, part two, or part three in the test. Truth be said, you won't get the score you want just by talking and talking and talking. And Simon, you keep saying this all the time, that we uh, cannot be talking and talking and talking and talking. Yes. Because if you don't know what your brain does to you when you don't know what to say during the test is, okay, let's simply talk. And then you start talking and talking and talking and talking. Disconnected ideas. That's what happens. Okay. All right. Part one has its own particularities, as you should know already. Considering that, it's of major relevance that you also know how to approach and deliver your answer, okay? The insight about part one. Pay attention to this. The insight about part one is to be concise, objective, short, okay? Go straight to the point. That's what I call the big idea of part one. It's not good for you. To give long answers here. What? You might ask. Yes, it's not a good idea for you here to give long answers and the greatest part of candidates would start talking about something and they would continue going on and on and on and on and on until they stopped. And they think that is okay, that is good. In fact, in this first part of the test, that's not a good idea. They think that they should talk for the longest time they can because that way the examiner would be able to know and to notice how advanced their English is. No, 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 a big and round no. 
Do you know what happens to you if you give a long answer in part one? I tell this to my students every single day. If you give a long answer here in part one, you will probably answer the next questions as well. And if you answer the next questions without being asked, do you really think your examiner is going to repeat the questions for you? Of course not. Obviously not. This is blatant. If you do that, you are going to force your examiner to bring another topic to the conversation. And that, mate, can be a more difficult one. For instance, let's imagine the following question I've got here. Do you like reading books? Let's imagine this is the first question you get, right? If you don't know that big idea, if you don't know this insight, you're more likely to answer the question like this. You might say, I like reading books. I love reading, actually. When I was a child, I used to read every single day a different story. Nowadays, I don't read that much, but from time to time, I still do. I love reading poems and fiction. I don't have a favorite writer, I guess, but I definitely prefer fiction over romance books. I wish I could read more, but I can't because of my work. Can you see? Can you notice? This is indeed an answer with a considerable level of English. That is unquestionable. But it's not adequate for part one because it's too long. The examiner, just for you to know, could be looking at his test sheets. Test sheets would be the piece of paper they've got with the next questions. They could be looking at his, uh, his test sheets with the next questions. And the next questions could be, did you read much when you were a child? Do you have a favorite book? Do you have a favorite writer? Would you like to read more? Can you see what happened here? By giving a long answer, the candidate simply just answered all the other questions as well. But the very first one though, in that scenario, your exam is not going to repeat the questions because they'd be answered already, okay? Then they would probably, well, your examiner is more likely to bring other topic to the conversation. And that could be a more difficult one, okay? I recommend that you answer the question by giving a short answer. Learn this insight for your own good, okay? A better answer for the same question, do you like reading books, would be like this. I'm really into reading books, especially the ones involving fiction. Last week, for instance, I finished a book about life on Earth 200 years into the future. I reckon this theme helps me question the world around us today. Can you see the difference? Really, tell me in the comments if you can notice the difference. The whole answer gravitates around the same question. If you are one of the TSM students, you are noticing this because you know the techniques. But if you're not one of the TSM students already, can you notice the difference? Go back a bit and watch the other one again, okay? In the Speaking Master, my online training for the IELTS speaking test, I teach you how to apply two techniques to give an answer that is precise and yet complete. Those would be the focus detail technique and the personal view technique. You can either perceive, notice that insight I talked about 
to not give a long answer, but you still need to know how to do it. And that's what the techniques are for. Okay. Another impactful insight in part one is not to talk about general ideas. Okay. I gave you one insight. Now I'm going to give you another one. And this other one is this. Do not talk about general ideas. Part one, it's all about you and your opinions, right? It's all about your thoughts, your ideas. They want to know what is your take on something. If you ask someone what is their take on something, you want to know their opinion about that, okay? Let's use that same question as an example again, right? Do you like reading books? Talking about how general facts or general ideas are related to this question is not what you should be doing here because it's all about you. Imagine a candidate that is not aware of this second insight, okay? They are more likely to present an answer like this. First and foremost, I need to highlight the impact of knowledge in society. It's proven that people who read more develop more deep reasonings about common subjects in life. Da -da 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 -da. No. No. Can you see what happened? The examiner is simply asking you whether you like reading books or not. That's the question. To keep that from happening, I suggest you to stick to the question and present your opinion about it, okay? A better answer would be something like I said before. I'm going to repeat it here for you. I'm really into reading books, especially the ones involving fiction. Last week, for instance, I finished a book about life on Earth 200 years into the future. I reckon this theme helps me question the world around us today. Again, it's important for you if you are one of my TSM students, if you are one of the students inside the Speaking Master, to apply those two techniques here in part one. So you can present an answer that is perfectly related to what your examiner is asking you, okay? Knowing how to answer a question in the correct way is a matter of knowledge and practice. First, you need to know what to do then you need to practice it, right? The speaking master gives you knowledge and then guides you into ways of practicing that knowledge, okay? But you need to pass through this process. If you don't learn what to do and practice it, you are less likely to get the scores you want, okay? Now, that reminds me of another Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu principle. If you can't move your opponent, move your own body. That means you can change your tactics and keep the strategy. I'm going to repeat that for you. There is another principle in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that is, if you can't move your opponent, move your own body. Okay? You can change tactics and still keep the strategy on. Okay? Let me tell you something about this. My Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu master once taught me this lesson. I went for the class, but on that day, there was only me there, no one else. No one else was there, okay? And then he himself taught me the class that day. He's a massive and heavy man, and I was under his body, and I couldn't even budge him. I couldn't move him off me. 
So when I said I couldn't move him off me, he said to me, you should move yourself then. And as magic, I got to release myself. The main idea here is that I was only focusing on one way to solve my problem, moving him off me. But I was shown other ways and then I got it. And that's why I say you need to know what to do in the test. You need to learn the techniques and the insights of each part of the test. Because you can't control the questions you get from your examiner, but you can control the way you present an answer. I repeat that for you, in other words. You have no control over the questions you get, but you can control the answers you give. Okay? Now, before ending today's class, I'd like to take a moment and explain some of the vocabulary I used here, okay? Let's see some words and expressions of today's class. The first one is crucial. Crucial is another way to say that something is very important. If I say something is crucial, it is extremely important, okay? The second one is battlefield. Battlefield is the place where a battle takes place where a battle was fought or is being fought, okay? Arduous. Arduous is something that requires lots of effort to do, something very difficult to do, okay? Bloke. Bloke is the British slang word for a guy, a man. Buffed up. This means someone or something made stronger or more powerful. A buffed up man is a man muscular, okay? The next one is discombobulated. I like that word, don't you? Discombobulated means confused, okay? The next one is baffled. Baffled is another way to say perplexed, confused, when you can't understand something. The next word is meaningful. Meaningful. Meaningful is something intended to show or to have a meaning. And just for you to know, meaningful is the adjective. The noun is meaningfulness. Okay? Can you repeat that one? Meaningfulness. The next one is menacing. Menacing is another way to say dangerous, threatening. If something is dangerous or if something represents danger, you can say that that thing is menacing or threatening, okay? The next one is concise. Concise is just another way to say objective, short and precise, clear. If you are clear, you are concise, okay? The next one is blatant. Blatant is something very obvious. The next one is to be into. This is another way to say that you like something very much. If you say, for example, that you are really into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you mean that you like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu a lot. The next one is reckon. This one I say almost every single day, but it's not worthless to repeat it. Reckon is another way to say think. If you want to say I think, you can say I reckon. The next one is gravitate. Gravitate is a verb and it means to attract or to move towards or around something else, okay? If I say, for example, that the main idea gravitates around the speaking test, it means that the main idea is related or is attracted to the speaking test, okay? 
The next one is perceive. Perceive means to notice something, to have an opinion about something, okay? The next one is massive. Massive means very large. The next one is budge. Budge. Budge means to move something or someone. If I say that I'm trying to budge the door, I'm trying to move the door, okay? Whew. That was a lot, wasn't it? That's it. I hope I've helped you today again. If you like this content, then please consider subscribing to my YouTube channel or following Blimey English on Facebook and on Instagram. You can also listen to the BlimeyCast, which is a podcast I make for you when you cannot watch the videos and only listen to what I'm saying and learn from it. This is time for me to go now and I see you in the next videos. Cheers! You've listened to the Blimey Cast. For more content, visit Blimey English.